Hi, my name is Mitra Manesh. I'm a servant. I serve through teaching, coaching, consulting, or any other way that I can find to share what I know with those who want to know. And this Lights On podcast is one of those ways. It was created with consciousness and mindful living in heart. So join us as we travel through many roads of learning and transformation together. And if you enjoy our podcast, please give us feedback by rating us five star and share us with others if you think they may benefit from it. On behalf of my team, I thank you for your presence. This week's podcast is a coaching episode where I sit with a young man, with a young family who has learned and practiced the art of pushing and and really, really putting a lot of effort in getting things done. And as I call it, the rhythm of do, 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 which is great and fantastic and gets us out of the survival mode, but until it's not great and it really stops us from thriving and being happy and having a healthy life. So we talk about the importance of creating pauses and spaces between our doing. And also we talk about the fact that a fear-based doing, meaning if the fuel for our doing is fear, it's not a sustainable way of getting things done. Uh, Really what we do is not that important or as important as with what energy, or as I call it, with what fuel we're doing what we're doing. So you have, I'm sure, noticed if you're doing something through your uh, love and desire and passion, um, that is very different than when you do it out of fear. And the experience and also the results are different. So it's a very interesting conversation. And I invite you to get a hot drink and take your time, create a pause in your life and let us sit down and take a listen together. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So let's start by just um, hearing a little bit about you without specific information. Um, You're a young man. Tell us a little bit about you without uh, giving us. specific information please. not so young anymore uh, <laughs> i'm i'm uh, 38 year years old uh, i work in uh, software sales uh, for a tech company that's based up in san francisco uh, i have a wife of eight should know that maybe eight years now uh we been together 10 years, I think married eight years, uh, and we have a six-year-old and a four-year-old and currently live in San Diego. Great. So, and you told us in the form that you filled up that uh, if I was a magician, you would like me to give you? Some peace of mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> peace of some, mind. Some, uh Yeah. The, the ability to to slow, um, I think, at times. 
Yes. And, and you have also told us that um, you rely a lot on your doing and your performance and it's hard for you to slow down, correct? Yeah, that, that's, that's a big component of it, right, is that um, I'm always doing and I'm afraid mm-hmm. to stop doing um, mm-hmm. because then I'm afraid I won't start doing again. Yeah. And it was obvious also um, with the statement that you made in the beginning. I said, a, a young man, you said not young anymore. And let me tell yeah. you how that happens. So um, there are a few stages that we live in, few states that we live in. And one of the most common one is the state of survival, meaning uh, at for whatever reasons, sooner or later, there's a time that we really need to survive. Say as a kid, like eight kids are following me and you know running after me. So I go to that state and somehow we stay in that state. And the reason for that is many, many reasons. Of course, the whole culture lives in a survival mode. Families live in survival modes and so on and so forth. So somehow we get into the survival mode. And what is survival mode? So survival mode could be very elegant these days. It's no, we no longer live in like nature and there are no jungles and there are no animals. But, but, you know, mind doesn't need to know that. Mind just knows survival mode is this, that there is danger, like somehow danger. And I better, I better run. So um, what happens is we stay in this survival mode of running and running doesn't require literal running. Running could be running in our mind. So my mind is running or my body is running or my mind and body are running, which might be your case. So it's important to understand that we are in that state because anytime we want to move forward, like if you said, Mitra, uh, how do I get to San Diego? Or I ask you, how do I get to your home? I, I need You need to know where I'm standing. So you say from where? If I'm coming from Delaware, it's very different than if I'm coming from Ohio. So it's important to know where we are so that we know how to get to where we want to go. Where you are, and I'm going to make a lot of assumptions and you can correct me because I don't know you, that is that um, you have learned, for whatever reason, to, to live in survival mode. So you are always running. And did that serve you? Yes, it does serve you. It makes you survive. The problem is, I always say, what got you here won't get you there. What got you here survived. Okay, good. You're still alive. You're breathing. You're healthy. But you want to be happy. And that hasn't happened at all and won't happen unless you change that state. So let me just stop, see how you're feeling. Are you distracted? Is this good for you? Do you need a break? You're good. Okay. So tell me what happens when I tell you that. And I've got a lot of other evidence that I can give you by just your introduction. But I want you to see if that goes home for you. Yeah. So I think there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of different components to that. And I think the thing that stands out is that um, I became a runner, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, so it it came about in in a very little literal way, um, and and I went down that path to as a way to run away from a, a different type of life that I didn't want. Uh, so then I latch 
I latched onto that running and then that mentality, you know, something very physical, but it, to me, it's also very mental, the, the running component. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that's, that bleeds into, I, I guess, like every aspect of, of my life. Mm-hmm. It's very symbolic, huh? It's yeah. very symbolic. You're running. And, and the, here's the problem in in survival mode in the jungle, of course, there is no other way for me to survive. I need to be the fittest. So all of my attention goes on my physicality. How fast do I run? How fit am I? And all the other things. I mean, you may not be as obsessed with your look because you're more obsessed with the function of your body, but then people get into other areas. Let's come back to that. So all, if well, most, if not all, of your attention is on your physical performance. Okay, that's great if you were in a jungle or in an army. That's fantastic. That's exactly what they want of you. But the problem is life doesn't work like that. You probably don't sleep as well. You probably can sit and do nothing. And by nothing, I mean pauses. Because when we are in survival mode, we're just perpetual doers. I just do, 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 okay? But really creativity, really that thing that you are seeking, which is the, you called it peace, and you said peace of mind, and it's very interesting. I always say those are contradictory words. Peace doesn't reside in the mind. Peace resides in the heart, symbolically speaking, and we're looking for it in the wrong place. We're looking for it in the mind. It's just like, be quiet, like, go, go, quiet mind. And mind's job is not to be quiet. Your job, and you said you have children, as a father, as the guardian of the mind, is to make sure it can talk, but you're not paying attention to it. You just want to make sure that it doesn't run your life. But in survival mode, you, you are on the program. You don't have any pauses. You don't have any breaks. In fact, when people have have worked with um, athletes, that when they sit, they say, so what do I do now? I say, "Uh, nothing. They say, well, I I can't do nothing. I say, well, let's try it together and see if you survive it. They don't mean literally I can't do, but habitually that's what they mean. The program doesn't allow me to sit because when I sit and do nothing, program says, you're wasting your time. You know that. You're useless. You're behind. Do you know Mitra is running fast and here you are sitting, doing nothing? So I get up and do something. Here's, here's the problem with that. There will be no creativity and no satisfaction. You know, the, the famous song, I can get no satisfaction because there are no satisfaction in the survival mode. There are no satisfaction. At best, if you're really good, and I see you're very good, you're very fit, you can survive. What you're seeking, which is peace, is something that in a thriving mode we experience. I don't have peace when I'm running. At best, I make it. And, you know, this predator doesn't kill me. At best, that's when I'm successful. But you're talking about peace? What, 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 what's that? <laughs> I don't know. So we have to understand this in order to do things differently. You're going south and you want to get to north. And I'm saying you will never get there. Never. Because 
further you go, further away you get from the sounds. So I'm going to go quiet and see how you are accepting, not accepting, objecting, questions, clarifications. Yeah. And I 100% agree. I think it's... I think I've... I've running and working very hard, like just like all of those things have gotten me to a point that was better than a point that I was. Um, so I've just continued to layer on, like how do I just mm -hmm. keep adding and adding and adding and adding and not subtracting uh, mm -hmm. as I go along. And, and I think the way I rationalize it, if I just keep doing more, mm -hmm. I'll be more, I'll be, uh, I'll be able to accomplish more. I'll, I'll at some point be able to rest um, physically or, or mentally. Um, but I don't, I keep waiting for that day. Um, yeah. But I, it, it, hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't quite come yet. Yes. And you know, we are all, it's really interesting. People do all these things and say, when I retire, and then when they retire, they can't enjoy it because they get bored and they don't want to be doing all the things that they hated doing. So I'm saying, why don't we just divide it throughout life and just go at the slower pace and do what is interesting is this. Let me put a, um, a different hat on, which is the corporate hat. And the corporate hat, the way I, I, I teach corporations is actually faster is not more productive. That's a language that I use to get in because, you know, they want more productivity. And I say, believe it or not, and they, they, they tried that, there's science now proving what I'm saying, what I was been saying for 35 years, that when you go slower, but intentional slower, not in I'm not talking about the slow that it comes out of my laziness. I'm talking about slow that comes from my awareness. It's not that I don't want to do the work and I'm being lazy, that I'm not working hard, that I'm actually, because I have a knowing and I'm saying, just a second, let me just know what I'm doing. Let me be intentional. Let me be present. And you will see, and that's where the work smart, not hard came from, the idea of it at least. So what we're doing is we are on programmed autopilot doing, 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 doing. At best, you can get that done, but you'll be exhausted. But the, the problem and the consequence of the side effect is that you gather that's the only way to do it and you will not come up with creativity, with new ways of doing things. And let me explain what I mean. So in our doing, when there is no pauses and no spaces between doing, there is no room for a if you like, a solution or a new way of doing things to come out. So if you ask people, when did you come up with this idea? If they say, oh, I found a solution. I ask my mentees and my you know, clients all the time. I'm always interested. When did you come up with it? So after 35 years of listening to organizations and individuals, I am yet to hear that I came up with that idea when I was forcing it and I was pushing myself and I hadn't slept for hours and that's when I came up with it. They usually say, under the shower, <laughs> walking the dog, by the beach, when I was lying under the sun, and look at all these things. And these are like productive CEOs telling me this. What are those things when there is not a lot of activity, when there is no pushing and shoving? 
Yes, something comes out of pain eventually. A lot of awakening also comes out of pain. But I'm saying, why would I go with the hard way? Why do I get sick and, and fall and lose everything before I get it? Why can't I get it while I've got it? <laughs> why can't I do that? You know, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. So let me explain something about that nothing that people are always talking about. I can't do nothing. First of all, the nothing that we're talking about is not nothing. It's not no thing. It is no dash thing, meaning is the state that the idea has not been manifested and turned into a thing. Okay, so let me show you this cup that I'm holding. One day, this cup with this particular design was a no thing, meaning it was just an idea. There was no thing like this right? A designer thought about it and said it would be great to have a thick layer for this not to break anything if it's hot and have a long handle for the person who's holding it to hold it. It was a no thing, meaning it was an imagination, was an idea, it was an energy. And then I drew it and, the, and I gave it to a factory and I said, give make me a sample. They made it, it worked. And now it became something. Now is a thing. Everything came from a no thing. You said you've been with your uh, partner, your spouse for 10 years. Well, first two years you weren't officially married. And then you were married. So an idea came to one of you. And then it became a thing and you signed it. And now you're considered married. Everything, including your babies, were a no thing. And then you decided it's a good time or accidentally, and then it became a thing. I became a person, you became a person, a glass was born, a decoration was born, a design was born. These things that we're using, all these technology we're using, they were all a no thing at one stage. I'm trying to give you the value of no thingness. Somebody was sitting there was thinking, hmm, would be a good idea if we could connect remotely, which was a fantasy. And people laughed about. And by the way, most ideas, new ideas, are made fun of and are laughed at until the day before it becomes a reality, a thing. So there's a lot of value for that no thing, nothing, pause and space between doings and things. I'm going to go quiet to see what kind of reaction or response you have. Yeah, as, as you talk, as, as you talk about it, it, it's funny because I, I, I have a tattoo on my arm that symbolizes make haste slowly um, <laughs> to try to remind me um to do that so clearly i need to go tattoo it someplace else more visible um, in your awareness yes so, so so it's it's something that i know right like it, it it's it's not a matter of not knowing mm -hmm. that it's necessary it's more of a i guess a a matter of, of the how and the way my mind works is if I, mm -hmm. if I'm easy on myself here, if I 
I think I'm being lazy here because I'm such a habit driven person. Like, will that become a habit? Will I get in the habit of giving up? Will I get in the habit of doing nothing? Um, and to me, like that's a, it's a primary fear that I have that I could go backwards without going forward, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yes, yes. And I hear you because we live in a world of contrast, bad and good, black and white. So I, our fear is that there is no other option. So there is laziness and lack of accomplishment. And then there is going like mad people. And what I'm trying to convince you of is somewhere in the middle where is a balance of doing and being, but a doing that comes from a being. Because when we do, the question is, it's not the doing. The question is what energy, what's fueling this doing? Does that make sense? The fuel are two kinds. The main fuel is fear which is the survival mode fuel, okay? Which is most common fuel for most activities. And that's why that satisfying actions do not give us the satisfaction because we did it with the wrong energy. So I want to see you. I really want to be connecting with you. I, I drive all the way. I come to see you, but I'm not present to you. So I come there and I think I drove all this way, but it wasn't a good visit. Because I wasn't present. I was thinking, oh, when I go back, what time, what time should I go back? There's traffic. And, and by the way, what, what are you doing? What are you, can show me this. Like there is no presence to my being with you. And then I come back and I think, oh, God. And I thought I'll drive all the way and I see him and I really, really like being with him. But I, it, I just didn't enjoy it because I wasn't present. I was doing it with the wrong energy. The fuel was fear. I'm suggesting that you do your doing with the fuel of desire and wanting to do it, but also with a built-in being aspect. Instead of waiting for you to retire and become my age so that if you're still alive, if you're still healthy, if you have all those things that we thought we have or we're going to have, so that I can enjoy it. Why would I delay that? Why can't I enjoy? You know, right now, you don't know how much I'm enjoying this session. It's a Friday, it's middle of the day, and usually people around my age, I'm 63, should be not working, right? But I'm really loving this. I'm connecting with you. I see in your face that things are going somewhere. And so my being is dictating my doing. I'm not claiming that I always do that, to be honest with you. It's not, it's not fair to say, oh, like, I got it. It's not that. But in this area, I got it. I really got it in my work. I got it. I go like this. I go, you know, got a session. Got a session. I'm looking forward to that. Because it's a doing that has come from my being. But then there are doings that don't come from our being. And but we have a say. If I'm doing my taxes, uh, oh, that's a doing that hasn't come from my being at all. But I can make it less painful by saying, you know what? I have three categories in life. Those things that I enjoy doing and I do. Those things that I hate doing, but I do because I, I live in this physical world. And those that it depends on me. I can make it this way or I can make it that way. Well, taxes are those that I hate. But when I bring awareness and say, hey, you live in a civilized society. Part of it is paying these taxes. There's no way around it. 
So just give yourself three hours. For three hours, I do not suffer. And I'm inviting you to a place like that. Not, and, but, but when we are not in our awareness and we're perpetual doers, everything feels like doing your taxes, like how it feels to me. And then there is no enjoyment. There is no joy. There is no peace that you're looking for because you're in the survival mode all the time. You're running from life, symbolically speaking, sometimes literally, and, and destroying this physicality of yours. Because we do eventually. How much can I run? Even if I was as fit as you were, eventually I hurt my physicality because this body wasn't built to just run. It was also built, it's very symbolic. They were supposed to be resting half of the day. Look at the nature. It goes dark. It says, go home. Go home. And if you look at all the faith groups, they all have a day, at least, if not more, of resting. And this was like thousands of years ago when we didn't work like mad people. But they knew the value of pause. They said, go and pray. Pray before you eat. Pray before you do this. Pray after you do that. Pray before going to sleep. Pray when you get up from sleep. Just look at, I mean, I always look at the wisdom in religions because it's become, you know, something else. But, but it's like there's wisdom in that. And I want you to really, and you said how, you had a good question. You're saying, okay, Mitra, I'm practical. Great. I bought into it. How do I do it? Right? Is that your question? Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 question, the question is how. And, and as, you, as you were talking about, I, I like the idea of like what's fueling it because I, I would say a lot of it, it is fueled by fear in a way. And, and as you were just saying, like running, like how much, you know, how much can it take? And then it's funny because I, I remember reflecting back a year or two ago and my, I realized this, I was trying to change my mentality from this mentality of like, how much can I take? Like it was constantly like, how much can I take? I prided myself on like, I can take a lot. I can get through a lot. Uh, but realizing like I needed to change that to a, like how much, how much can I give? Um, but then I think even that, when I think about the fuel, it's just like, you can only give so much. Um, so I took it from one direction to another direction, but I took them both to the extreme, <laughs> to the extreme, <laughs> right? So there, there wasn't a, intention that the fuel didn't necessarily change i changed some of the words but i don't think i necessarily changed the fuel to your point uh, yeah. on my intentions thank you for that insight that's a huge insight that's a huge insight so it's not i always say we're always dancing the question is to what music to what music or we're always running with what fuel I could be running, singing and dancing and honestly, and we know that, you know, when we know that when we fall in love, like we don't know what time it is, we don't get cold, we don't know we're hungry because what's fueling it is our energy from within, it's our energy of connection. But when I'm not in that mode, like, you know, as soon as I sit down, I saw my back hurts, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, oh, it's been too long because we're aware of our physicality too much because it's a doing that comes from the mind not from integration of the mind and heart. But you asked a good question. Let me become practical because I'm a coach and, and I really believe in practicality. These are all philosophies, but they're important because if you don't 
change your belief. And it's not just knowing about it, by the way. It's changing it. I really want you to contemplate that on your own and really see if that goes for home for you. And it may not in the beginning. But here's a, a promise that I want from you, that you give it a try for a few weeks. Just try it on. You can always return it. It's like, you know, these big department stores. Take it home, buy it, and I give you full refund if you come back and say, you know what, Mitra, sorry, didn't work for me. Maybe it works for you, but it doesn't. But I want you to do two things. One is to just see, and there's a lot of fat in our to-do lists. Just go to, through your daily to-do list and say, is there, and you may say, no, Mitra, you don't know, I have two young kids and I have this and I have that. But just review it, please. And see if you can, if there is even slightest fat that you can take out of your to-do list and make it a little bit leaner, meaning things that you really have to do and things that you really love to do. So there are two categories in our doing. Things that I have to do, you know, I take care of my old mother. Um, I have a team. There are things I have to do, but there are things that I love to do. That's one thing. So do less if you can. Review that list. Now, I always say everything has the inner aspect and outer aspect. That's the outer aspect. See if you can do less. But more importantly, see if you can be more present when you are doing whatever you're doing. Meaning, most of the time, we're not where we are. So I'm here working. I'm thinking about, oh, when I go home, this will happen. I go home and I think, oh, I should have said that when I was doing work. So we're always almost always chasing ourselves. I'm here, but I'm thinking about here. Then I get here, then I'm thinking about there. Then I go to home, I think about my clients. Then I go to work, I think about my kids. Then I, like, I'm in a party, I'm thinking, what should I do tomorrow at work? So I'm almost never, ever present, meaning by present, let me tell you what I mean by present, where my body and my attention meet. My body says, I'm here with you. And my attention is also here with you. Not 100%. We never are fully present. But as much as, let's, let's go for 80, which is a huge number. If I'm 80% present to you, oh God, I am so present. So reduce your to-do list if possible and be present for that. Make the time that you are doing a, a, a framework so people say um, allocating time and time management. I say, don't manage your time. Just create frameworks. So I say, from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, I'll be doing this podcast. For this period of time, this block of time, I'll be mainly present to this work. And I won't worry about anything else. I still have kids. I still have my mother. I still have my work and my team. I have all of that. But right now, this frame, this time frame, is for this task only. And since you're very disciplined, I can just tell discipline in you, you can do it very well. Discipline your mind. You've used your discipline only for your body. And I'm saying, this is the discipline that says, literally, so mine says, but what are you going to do for lunch? This, do you know you've got to go upstairs and do your Right now, 
I'm with Mitra. At 12 o'clock, I'll be available to you and I'll listen to you. So you are disciplining. Let me give you a tool that is important for both of your doing and your being, your presence. And that is that you need to have a lot of compassion because in the world of survival, we have learned tough and unkindness because that's what made it happen. I'm bleeding and I'm saying, that's okay, I can take it. And I'm saying, that doesn't work anymore. I want you to bring compassion for yourself. I want you to see how difficult it is for you to do that. I want you to see what kind of a tough, almost military-like parent you have been to yourself. And that's okay. No problem. Just bring a little bit of love to it and just say, hey, I know you're tired. I know it's hard, but it's okay. You can do it. What do you need? What do you need right now? Oh, our needs are so basic. Our needs are so basic. If you just ask, you know what I need? I just need a cup of warm drink. And I want to just rest for five minutes. Can you give that to me? And you would probably say yes to me all the time. But we don't say yes to ourselves. We've learned to be very harsh, very harsh, disciplined kind of guardian for ourselves. And I'm inviting you to change your energy, your fuel, if you like, you like that word, while you're making these changes. Do less, be present, but oh God, be compassionate all along. Even when you're in the midst of doing, actually, because you're in the midst of, especially when you are in the midst of the doing part that you really don't want to do, Oh my God, the most compassionate you needs to be present. And that is the key. So I give you three things. Do less, be more present. But the third one and most important one is to be compassionate while these things are happening. Because without compassion, you're going to turn your being into doing again. And I have a tendency to do that. Surprise. (laughs) All right. Does that make sense for you? Do you have any questions? Does that go home for you? It does. It's it's the basic things, right? It's it's like the things that are are so simple. And then I just feel like it's it's me overcomplicating things or like trying to because then I try to, then I turn it into a thing and then it's like too much. Like, oh, if I got, I'm trying to breathe a few times, then it's just like, I try to be like, I force it or like I force things instead of like, I think looking at those buckets of like, what do I have to do? What do I love to do? And, mm-hmm. and creating space for that. But because yes. I'm always on to the next thing, it's always like, oh, I don't want to, I don't have time for this thing. I've got, I got to go on to this. Thing. Yeah. Um, because it, it's it's lacking the compassion, it's lacking the awareness, it's it's lacking all of those things because I'm just I'm somewhere else. Yes, and when we are somewhere else, we have no patience for presence. So imagine that I've like I've got somebody waiting, and I really want to go and talk to them. I have no patience for what you're saying. I just say yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. Okay, sure. I, I have no because there is no presence, and 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 presence actually when we bring presence. Uh, when 
like we teach basic mindfulness, the first session, um, I teach mindful eating. So what it is, is we just bring a bunch of grapes and let people eat that grape. And it's one of the actually stories in, in our app, which is that a, a person that we were distributing, volunteers were distributing the grapes and uh, the person, one of the participants thought like it's, it's a snack. So she started eating them. And I said, no, 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 they're not there for a purpose. Please don't eat your grapes. And she laughed and we gave her another bunch of grapes. And then when we did the mindful eating, which basically means being present to your eating, it's just basically that, that you're not distracted. You're not watching something else. You're not, you just like really go into the texture and you're really, and it's just a bunch of grapes. And when we came back, this became a famous story. Um, I said, any, any, any shares? And she said, yes, I want to share. And I said, what? She said, you know, the first bunch of grapes that I ate, I said, oh, okay, they're, they're good grapes. They're grapes. And then when I ate them mindfully, I said, oh, they're grapes. <laughs> and it's a, it's a beautiful one. I thought that's like this fantastic way of explaining it, which means when we are present to something, we turn a very ordinary thing into extraordinary. Like, oh, I'm going to get emotional about this. Like your kids are younger right now. Like these moments, I mean, when I go back, you know, I was a single mother, so I was pushing it and I'm working three jobs and doing all of that. You know what I remember about my children? Like those like little moments of connection when they were said something and they looked at my eyes and I looked at their eyes. It was never when I took them to the most amazing trip or this and that. It's such small things that I remember. And I think, why didn't I do more of that? Why didn't I just sat there and say, tell me, how was your day in the kindergarten and school? Tell me. And just listened and not corrected them and not taught them, and not punished them, and not lectured them, and I just heard them. Those are the moments I remember. And I hope that you make a lot of those moments. Because when you start being compassionate to you, you start becoming compassionate to them and other people. What I don't have, I cannot share with you. When I don't have compassion for me, how can I, okay, for a minute I can be, okay, okay, okay I, I have compassion for you. And they call it sympathy and empathy and all those like psychological names. But compassion is a state of being. It means I stay kind at hard times. I stay kind to me and then I can stay kind to you. But if I don't have it, how can I share it with you? I don't have it. I can pretend, but it's not sustainable because I don't even believe in that. What is kindness? Let's just let me just push you to do more. And I'm saying, just hear them more. And then they do more. They do more. They do more. Good? Enough? Very good. So good to connect to you and be present to you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think you've, you've, you've given me a, a, a new way to, I think, look at it. Um, I'm always like looking for, I'm always looking for a different way, but it's like, it has to make sense. And just even the word fuel, uh, just 
like stuck with me. It's just like my mind kind of took that and it's just like, okay, I can understand that, right? Like that, mm-hmm. my my mind understands like that metaphor and it's, mm-hmm. it, it gives me a new way to, to approach it. Yes. So imagine that you bought a car that only could take certain fuel yeah. and for years you're putting the wrong fuel in it and you're wondering why you paid so much for it. We pay a lot when we do so much. How come it's not like working the way it should? It's because you're putting the wrong fuel in it. That's exactly what it is. And I'm asking you to put the right fuel, fuel of being, fuel of compassion, fuel of desire, fuel of wanting, and then see how fast this car goes. You're going to accomplish things that you didn't think was possible. And you're going to have the peace that you were seeking and looking for. But on that wrong fuel, with that speed, you're lucky if you survive. I I never stopped to read the directions of what kind of fuel the car took, right? I just just kept filling it up. Just fill it up. Whatever was there, fill it up. Whatever's there. (laughs) With what? Oh, just fill it up. But, but with what? Doesn't matter. Just fill it up. Something. <laughs> Something. Exactly. Let it be full. Full of doing, full of fastness, full of this. But uh, yeah. yeah. So that's the no thing that will give you the thing that you're seeking. Yeah. Great thank to you, connect Mitra. with you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for your um, seeking beautiful journey that you have. Thanks so much. I appreciate the time today. Of course. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Hope this episode answered the question or two for you or provoked and inspired questions in you. I'm so grateful you showed up and listened up. Until the next time, be well and stay curious.